All right, everyone. Welcome back to the BYO Chair Podcast. And welcome to 2024. I hope this year brings everyone lots of joy, lots of pleasure, no pain. In this episode, I sit down with a lady named Lauren Mather. She tells us the other side of the story of living with a partner that has suffered a spinal cord injury. We dive pretty deep into all sides of this story. From the very start where the hospital trips are back and forth almost daily to when your partner returns home and you've got to get on with your life and, and pretty much work it out for yourselves. It's a, it's a pretty touching story. She breaks me down a little bit and uh, I get a little bit teary in this episode. So yeah, that, that was it. It was a bit of an eye opener for me as well because I sort of unpacked a few things that I haven't really dealt with before. All in all, it was a great conversation. Lauren is the partner of Sam Mather, who was on episode number one. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. It was a great episode. Sam, is a he's made an incredible recovery from a spinal cord injury. So, yeah, have a listen. Let us know what you think. If you've got time and you're able to, take a screenshot of this and put it on your My Story. Tell your friends about it. Make sure you like us on Instagram, Facebook, and on, on YouTube. We're byo.chair.podcast. And, yeah, make sure you tell your friends about it and let's let's all grow together. I've got a few sponsors to thank. Welcoming on board for the 2024 podcast season, I suppose you could call it, is our longtime friends, Valley Meal Prep. If you're a bachelor or a bachelorette and you can't be bothered cooking or you're time poor, I highly recommend getting on these meals. They're so fresh, so juicy, and they're so healthy. Valley Meal Prep have professional chefs and they deliver the meals to your door. So, ladies and gentlemen, for 10% off at checkout, Hit up valleymealprep.com, use BYO10 for 10% off, and really let the good times roll with with making stuff in the kitchen a lot easier. All right, if you're feeling a little bit snacky, you want something a little bit different, you don't want to dive into a packet of chips, maybe something a little bit healthy, all right, you need to go to 3099jerky.com. They have a large range of homemade, handcrafted beef jerky. It has no artificial colours, no artificial preservatives, nothing like that. It's all good stuff. They have fantastic flavours from original smoky barbecue, teriyaki, garlic, chilli and my all-time favourite salt and vinegar. Like them on Instagram at 3099 Jerky and click the link in their bio. It'll take you straight to their website. Use the code BYO10 at checkout for 10% off. We're going to put the year 2023 behind us. We're going to leave our old dirty work clothes in the past as well. If you need new work gear, hit up our friends at Camprint. They do work gear, corporate gear. They can even make you a street brand. So hit up Camprint online at www.camprint.com.au. Follow them on Instagram at Camprint Screen Printing and get yourself looking pretty flash for the 2024 year. A new year calls for a new game plan, so I want to switch it up. This year, I want to have you guys, the legendary listeners, send me stories on Instagram, just a voice note, you telling stories of you hurting yourself. If it gets a bit of a laugh, that's good. If it's a pretty heartfelt story, you never know, I might even get you on as a guest. But flick it through to byo.chair.podcast on Instagram, and I want to hear, I want to hear stories from you guys. Also, if you're looking for extra advertising, 
I want to do a segment at the end of each show where I promote different businesses in different fields to help people out there that might need tradesmen or or something done around the house, whatever it might be. Shoot us a message. Anyway, guys, enjoy this episode with Lauren Mather. All right, and I just heard right. Yes. <laughs> All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, good way to wrap up 2023. We're finally recording the last podcast of the year. It's just been Christmas, and we're coming into New Year's Eve. And I have a uh, a family member of guest number one, Sam Mather. She's an absolute saint and a super mum. We're going to introduce Lauren Mather. This is Sam's wife, and she's come in to to give you listeners a bit of a bit of a rundown on what it takes to to be a parent, to be the partner and lover of a um, of a person that's been through a spinal cord injury. So, Lauren, welcome to the BYO chair. Uh, I'll call it a studio, but it's just my garage at the minute. We're all going to start somewhere. Thank you for having me. No, anytime. Thanks for coming on. We tried to make it work last week, but uh, yeah, we, Alicia and I both got just a bit crooks. I don't know what happened. I was on my way back from physio and I just took a turn horribly. And then I got home, I told Alicia and she was like, yeah, I feel like shit as well. So we gave right the old handball off to Nan and spent the day on the shitter. (laughs) Fun times. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What a date. What a date. What you want to do with your kid friend time? Yeah, time. yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. But how are you going? Good, good, thank you. Just finished work, so. Yep, yep. Run us through what you do for work. Um, I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for about fourteen years, and I'm also a midwife. And I've been a midwife for about eight years. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, so healthcare industry. Yep, yep. And uh, we would be fucked without you, legends. So thank you very much for what you do. No worries at the, all. Uh, the, the whole world needs to really appreciate nurses and doctors and stuff like that um, a lot more, I think. But, yeah, thank you and, no and I appreciate your time because you are away from your babies. I know, but I get out of doing meals and bath time, so I'll take that as a win. All right, all right. <laughs> I, like, I like that. That's good. That's good. So, yeah, run us through... Run us through what you, what you do with your da- your daily life at the hospital. Um, so currently I'm acting up as my unit manager, but normally I'm in charge of a shift. So it could be anywhere from delivering a baby to looking after postnates on the floor to organising the roster yep. to liaising with doctors and lactation consultants. Um, yeah, it's a really vast job. Um, I'm currently just at a small rural hospital. I have also work at a metro hospital, but I haven't gone back there um, at the moment since Sam's injury, just um, with childcare and stuff. On your Sammy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's each, um, each shift's very different. That's why I do love my job. And I think um, I'm really passionate about um, being there with women for um, helping them come into motherhood, whichever way it is for them. Yeah. Um, it's just a really vulnerable time for women and I think um, having someone in their corner and to support them and help them through that is really important. And um, the best part of my job, I think, is when you don't know the sex of the baby and you deliver it and you put it on mum's chest and let the mum and dad look at each other and say what it is, whether it's a boy or girl, and um, just the pure joy on their face and it's just something that always makes me love my job and um, it definitely has its challenging moments but... The good definitely outweighs the bad. Yeah, no doubt. Good on you. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. How many males have given birth in there? 
None. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Just thought I'd ask because this day and age I feel like they think they can. None that I've seen so far. Okay. okay. I thought that was a trick question. No, 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 that's all right. But um, a question I like to fire off, well, actually it's three. Yep. At the start of the episode, what are you watching, what are you reading, what are you listening to? Um, watching, I'm a bit of a loser and love a bit of um, reality television, so love my Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, fuck, scripted reality, yes. nothing beats it. <laughs> I know, but it's mindless and I don't have to think about it. Yeah, good. The other thing I've sort of been watching, it's called Reacher. It's on Prime, I think. Okay. It's quite good. Yeah, actually, I think I've seen it on there. Yeah. I haven't watched it, but I think I've seen it yeah, advertised. So I've been watching that recently and that's quite good. It's very different yep. to um, reality television. Um, reading, I haven't really read anything lately. Um, but listening to, I've obviously listened to all your podcasts. So Yay, there actually, we go. Yeah, so I've actually quite enjoyed it, um, as, especially as a healthcare provider, listening to um, everyone's stories about their how they failed in hospital because I think yep. it's always something that we can learn that there's different aspects of our job that we can always do a little bit better to make, you know, um, people going through something so significant, you know, to change how they're feeling. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, I always say like true crime. So I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Cool. I'm a little bit of a weirdo. No, that's all right. I actually want to start getting some guests on here that have, um, you know, whether it's been incarcerated or, you know, I've got someone lined up that's got a pretty gnarly story of like a background in crime. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I'll have him on in, you know, early 2024. Yeah. But yeah, that, I, I get it. I used to love listening to, I think it was called, Crime Files or something like oh, that. Oh, uh, Case Files. Case Files, yeah, yeah, but there was a TV show on it. And I think it was just the narrator then moved it to a podcast or whatever. But it was – I could drive and I, a 30-minute podcast would go like that, you know, and I'd be half an hour closer to my destination. I loved it. And they're so addictive. And then you'd be like – you know, they would be like, oh, they found a fingerprint somewhere. And you're like, how could you be so dumb to leave your fingerprints behind? It's not that I'm <laughs> – you know – the cops came and knocked on my door, I'd absolutely pee myself. But, you know, you just like you you think you become, you know, um, a super criminal. But Forensic. Yeah. Oh, forensic files, that's the oh, one. That yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. But, yeah, I'm the same. A lot of the time it's like you think, oh, fuck, how stupid could you be? Yeah. Like, you, you left the car running and there was a camera at the front or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I, I do like listening to all that stuff. It's good. So Sam thinks I'm a bit of a freak, but, you know, I enjoy it. Nah, that's it. That's all right. You've got to have your differences, don't you? 100%. Yeah. So we, um, we've we been chatting since you got here, just introducing yourself to my partner and, and my family. And we've touched on a few pretty important things. We will dive into, into the nitty-gritty stuff pretty soon. We were talking about riding dirt bikes and injuries and stuff like that and, yeah, when you were working in the hospitals, were they a pretty common, pretty so, common injury, well, or pretty I, common cause of injury? Should I say? So when I um, first started nursing, I was doing cardiothoracic, so there wasn't really much in that because it was all bypass surgery and more lung cancer type oh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, so it wasn't really a trauma unit. Um, yep. I did a little bit of um, community nursing, and that involved um, a lot of um, doing like catheters and. Um, administering like bowel medications and things like that and a lot of those patients were um quadriplegics or paraplegics that needed assistance with those so a lot of those were either car crash victims or um motorbikes or you know something to do with the tac a lot of their funding and they were a couple from work cover yeah um 
but there's a lot more people living in the community than what you think. There definitely is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's not until you're sort of um, exposed to it that you sort of realise how many people do actually live with a disability at home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's – the community is very strong too and very helpful. I've noticed a lot of people reach out to offer help and support um, for me and, you know, I've had people send me things in the mail and, yeah, it's it's a really – it's an unfortunate community, but it's a strong one, yeah. which is which is a, a great thing in itself. Yeah, I, but from the people that I sort of dealt with, a lot of them had a lot of challenges in applying for funding and getting, you know, things like catheter bags and all those types of things that should be provided. And so I think the community were really helpful in telling people, like, what you have to write on the form to get what you need so it's not yeah. you haven't filled this out correctly. So I think sometimes that's really good because... Um, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. If you haven't done these things before and you're going through a stressful time, filling out a form correctly is not sort of high on your priority list. But you know, making sure your catheter and everything is up to date is very high on your list. So yeah, um, I think that um, the community can be quite helpful in that terms. Like, are very supportive. Yeah, and you, yeah. I think you can relate to people and you reach out because, like, you know, you know how challenging it can be. And I think the hard thing is spinal injuries are from one extreme to the other. Yeah. And that's, you know, and everyone fits in there along some aspect. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. Well, when I was in Talbot, I met a guy and he had spinal cord injury also, but he wasn't able to get any funding or support because he wasn't an Australian citizen. However, he'd worked in... Melbourne for the last 30 years paying taxes and all that shit. Like, he has to buy catheters. From what I've heard, they're about $5 each. Yeah, they can be. That's if you get get the funding for them and stuff because they can reduce them down. But that – I haven't done community nursing for, I don't know, like eight years. Yeah. So I don't know what the price is and stuff is now. But all those things add up because you've also then got the cost of – if you're not doing it yourself, paying for the nurse to come out and do it, and it's not cheap. Yeah, yeah. It well, like imagine having to pay to take a piss. Yeah. Like fuck. When I heard that, my heart broke for the dude. But you hear heartbreaking stories like that in healthcare all the time, and yeah. it's just um, that's where you sort of get a bit. Um, you find it really frustrating. It's just like the red tape of everything. It's just like little yep. things is just really frustrating. Here's a person who has been here for so long, paid their taxes. Why can't we, you know, they obviously need help. Why can't we help them? And I find that's really, the really frustrating part. And yeah. The bit where I sometimes want to hit my head against a wall when yeah. it comes to healthcare. Well, honestly, a lot of the time dealing with, um, you know, your insurance companies and stuff, that's what you feel like you're doing, just smashing your head against the wall. Yeah. Talking to a fucking dead horse. Like, it's – I swear they get no money. Yeah. When I say no money, every time they say, no, you can't have this, they get extra money. It's like a bonus. Yeah. It's fucking so frustrating. It's super frustrating. Like, we were sort of very fortunate that um, we had taken out private income protection as well yep. on top of the TAC. But, like, currently what we're going through, it's just, you know, they accept that Sam's disabled but then want me to prove that the business, you know, it's all this other stuff. And I'm just like, he's got letters from his rehabilitation, the spinal specialist, all these other specialists, the GP, to say that he's incapable of working at the moment. Yeah. 
but they're just like you need to prove like you know they just want more evidence i'm like i don't know exactly what you what you exactly want and you come and have a fucking look come yeah. to our house yeah <laughs> like yeah and i think that's like you know and sam gets very hot-headed about it but I'm yeah i can see that that's why you're doing the paperwork yeah so i try and taking the calls fa- yeah try and stay fairly level head about it but sometimes you just reach the end of your tether and it can get quite frustrating yeah. and i think you know, I'm a good-natured person and you take these insurances out in good faith that if you need them, you've paid your premiums and they're not cheap. No, they're not. You've paid your premiums and that, you know, touch wood that you don't need them, but in the day that you do, that they would be supportive and um, you find it very disheartening when they're just like, you know, there's one little bit that Sam doesn't meet the criteria for, so therefore you're not eligible for it and you think, well, that's not what the... Um, in good faith, how the insurance is sold to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very difficult. So let's um, let's have a chat about when the day that, that Sam had his crash. Yep. You're good to have a chat about that? Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, it's just in just warning everyone, this, it'll be obviously an emotional conversation. I've, I've been dealing with it with my partner and... Yeah, now we're hearing this side of the story from from Lauren, which it could be a bit of a tough one, but we're all a, a good support network. So, yeah. So when, when you first heard that Sam had crashed, were you down at the track or were so, you up at the house? So our house overlooks a, a motocross track, as all houses should. That's a <laughs> fucking dream house. Um, I come home one day and there was these piles of dirt in my front yard. Our front yard's quite big. Yeah. And I said, what's this? And he's like, oh, nothing. You've got nothing to worry about. And the next day I come and there's some guy here with a bulldozer with a, um, I think it's Pro-Am Extracts or I don't know. I can't yeah, remember yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, oh, I've forgotten his name. It'll come. Josh. Back. Josh, yeah. yeah Josh yeah, had yeah. been and done some wonders in my front yard. And pro like, tracks. Yeah, pro, pro tracks. Track. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Had built a motocross track in my front yard. Um, Who needs lawn when you've got a motocross track? I don't, apparently. <laughs> Um, so yes, we've had a motocross track in our yard for a few years, but, um, Sam always loves people riding at our house and things like that. So most Sundays there's someone at our house riding, whether it be young kids or Sam's mates or whatever. So most Sundays you could find us doing probably a barbecue at home or just chicken and rolls and whatever. So this was just the same. It was just an ordinary Sunday, the day after our wedding anniversary. And... Um, I think I'd just put half a down for a nap. I'd come down with everyone else. So the um, outdoor area sort of overlooks the track. Um, I think it must have been the Phillip Island GP on. And yep. one of the Roachy was at our house and yep. he was starting to cook the um, barbecue and he's like, can you put the Moto GP on? I was like, sure, no worries. So I was trying to hook up the tally. And then I would have said this bit of a crash sound and then I turned around and then I just had this gut instinct that it was Sam. Knowing Sam for as long as I have, when anything goes wrong, Sam's normally attached to something. Um, I say that in black in terms of endearment. Um, <laughs> he's a little bit accident prone sometimes. Um, and Jake Henderson was riding with him and so I just sort of threw down what I was doing and I ran, started running down to the track. It's probably like a... I don't know, like a 30 or 40 second run, like it's not very far. Yeah. Um, and jo- and Jake just turned, all I heard Jake yell out was, call an ambulance. And yeah. so at that point I wasn't quite at Sam, but I knew it was bad if Jake's fairly calm and he was yelling to call an ambulance. Yeah. 
Um, and so I got to Sam and then he just looked at me and he just said, he's like, I'm so sorry. He's just yeah. like, I can't feel anything. Yeah. And I said, oh, what do you mean? And he's like, I can't feel my arms. I can't feel my legs. Um, and at that point, I probably went into a bit nurse mode. I was sort of like, don't move. It'll be okay. But yeah. in my back of my head, I was just like, our house is half renovated. We live on a side of a hill. This is not wheelchair friendly. As like I've spoken about, like I've had a bit of experience with um, people with disabilities and wheelchairs. And I was thinking back in my head, like, like you know, oh my God, like this is going to be life changing. Um, and I was super concerned because our daughter was two and a half and she was outside playing with everyone. And I, um, Tilly and Sam are very close and I was very uh, instantly very conscious about um, Tilly seeing it because yeah. I knew this would affect her quite a lot she's very very close with Sam yeah. um and I had another really good friend of mine Rachel which is Roachie's um wife she was there and I just remember yelling out don't let Tilly come down here yeah um keep her up there Harper was asleep so I had a four month old at the time as well so I had Tilly who was two and a half and Harper who was four um four months old yeah um and then I just remember they were calling the ambulance and then we didn't have much reception where we were. So I just said, you need to go up the hill a bit. And I was very clear with my directions. I'm like, you need to say that he's had a fall, he's conscious, he's breathing, but he has no movement from his shoulders down. Cause I knew certain things you can say that makes them come a little bit quicker. Yep. Um, and at that point, Rachel was, had her brain switched on and said, how about we call, um, our friend around the road who's a paramedic. Yeah. Um, so we rang her and she was around whippersnipping. She stopped whippersnipping and she came and she's one of the area coordinators. So she was able to coordinate a lot for us. Um, and she actually rang them back and said, you need to get air ambulance here and you need Micah. Yeah. Um, What's Micah? So um, it's intensive care paramedics. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah so um, they are able to give a few more drugs and things like that. And they're just trained a little bit more. Um, for sort of more intense situations. Yep. Um, so they called them and then because where the track is, it was down in a ditch. So at that point, the um, highway patrol had come because Sam was on his registered bike. Yep. Um, and then so we had highway patrol. We had um, I think three or four fire trucks had come. Then we had the SES. So they were there at that point. Um, Sam's pain was quiet. Um, significant at that time so they were trying to give him fentanyl and things like that yeah. um, and I could just sort of see he was holding it together but he was quite stressed at that time yeah um, holding it do you mean holding it together for the people oh, around just him? I think he was just trying to do that men brave yeah. thing yeah got um, and you know but I could see the thoughts ticking in his head and they were ticking in my head as well so he wasn't he wasn't by himself with that yeah. um and then the next thing I remember going I need to get the girls taken care of because I knew instantly that um he was going to be in hospital so I had to ring my mum and dad and I just said you need to come now and they were in Hillsville having lunch at the reservoir and they're just like oh why has he broken his leg or something like and I said no he can't feel from his shoulders down like you need to come yeah. so they were I don't even know how quick they were there quite quickly. Um, and, yeah, once our neighbour came around who was the paramedic, she was really good at directing everything and she, um, as I said, escalated his care that he needed. Um, then the next thing was trying to get him out. 
So that took a while, which was really sort of, again, it was a bit that red tape stuff, like yeah. a bit frustrating. I was just like being practical about it. Like, let's put him on the spinal board. I've got a flat tray ute. Let's put him on that and get him up that way. It was the quickest way to get him treatment. Yep. And they were like, oh, no, we can't do this. We need to get the SES to do this. And then the SES and the fire brigade were all wonderful at the time. Yep. They were sort of having, oh, we should do it this way. We should do it that way. So it was just sort of, and you know. A bit of a toing of throwing. So it just took, we got delayed treatment just because it was a bit of an issue getting him out. <clears throat> um, and then, yes, yeah, so I think the whole getting him out process was like an hour and a half. Fuck. Yeah. So, you know, and an hour and a half is a long time to lay on the ground and think about, you know, the fact you can't move things. And I think um, Sam still says to me now that he sort of, he remembers at the time he could start to move things. And I, I doubt he could. I think it was a lot of his medication, but I, I let him go with that story. Don't lose some of this, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I think um, then they got him up to the top and they sort of stabilised him and then sent him across to um, via road ambulance to um, the Whittlesea Showgrounds and then they airlifted him from there to the Alfred. Yeah. Um, and so at that point I went back. So while he was in the air, I went and sort of did all the things I needed to do, pack the girls, or my mum packed the girls' bag, but packed myself some stuff. And then um, Paul and Rach drove me into the Alfred, which at that time I had Sam's phone and he had a business to run and Monday was in a couple of hours. So yeah. Um, it was ringing the boys and being like, do you know where you need to go tomorrow? Do you need nails? Do you need plans? What do you need for me? Like, you'll have to go through me type thing until yeah. um, Sam's able to organise things. And I have to say the two boys, we had sort of two carpenters on at the time and they were absolutely brilliant. Like, they were such a good support for me because I, I had some idea, like I do all Sam's bookwork and stuff, but the day-to-day yeah. ins and outs of running an actual job site's not my forte. Um, uh, but Brendan and Christian were really great at that time, really helping me through that. Um, and then I went and sat at the Alfred for many, many hours. Um, yep. Sam went in for scans and everything. And it was just such a waiting game and it was that with COVID restrictions and he was in so much pain, the fact that you couldn't even put a sheet on him without him. like, sc- like. And Sam's quite um, tough in terms of, you know, he doesn't really use medications like he doesn't like taking Panadol and to see him so um just oh, it was, I don't even know how to describe it you know it'd probably be very similar to watching your partner go through labor I suppose you just feel absolutely oh, help- can, yeah that's that, a fucking scary thing yeah the fact that you can't actually see um you can't actually help them and they're in so much pain and you know they keep, you know, they commence the ketamine infusion and they just keep upping it and it wasn't actually helping. Um, and I, when he was on the ground, when they were, when he, after he'd had it, like it looked like he had broken both his collarbones because his shoulders were sort of sitting up like here. So I was like, once they came out and said he doesn't have any broken collarbones, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It was so deformed laying on the ground. So I was quite surprised by that. Um, and then they came back out and said that... Um, He's got um, a spinal contusion and it's sort of just bruising around the spine at C2 to C4. Um, I don't know if that really sunk into a lot later, but, you know, my nursing head had gone at that stage and, you know, C2 to C4 can mean instant death because that sends a function to breathe. Yeah. 
and you know you're then sitting with the realization that I could have been making very different decisions about Sam's life you know if he didn't have the capacity to breathe for himself and he was on a ventilator what type of life you know so your head goes down these different other avenues that you never ever wish to um think about someone that you love that you've got children with and um I think that's something that I wash over a lot like it's not something that I try and sit with because it's not obviously he's um it wasn't completely severed so he doesn't have that injury but it's something that could have been a real possibility for us yeah and that would have been a really different um life for myself for Sam and for our children so that's something that um you have to sort of sit with I suppose like it's a really challenging thing um and at that time my sister had come up from Geelong sitting with with me at um at the Alfred and I think I sat there till 5am so I think Sam's injury happened about two o'clock in the afternoon he was probably at the Alfred by about five thirty, six o'clock I think I got in there about seven and so we sat there from like 7 till 5 a.m. just waiting for like the scans and as you wouldn't know, you'd have to do all the scans and things like that. Yeah. Um, and just waiting for the reports and then waiting for, you know, the specialist to come and see and then the surgeons to come and see them and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, I think I got home to King Lake. My sister drove me back to my mum's because my girls had gone there and um, – I think the girls were up with about 20 minutes so I was asleep for about 20 minutes and then the day began again and you know it was have a shower have some dinner have some breakfast sorry and get, get the girls sort of half started for the morning and then it was back to the Alfred again so yep. um, mum and dad live on the other side of King Lake so it was probably about an hour and a half there and an hour and a half home um, in terms of travel I, with the injury, I pretty much just moved into my mum and dad's house because it yep. was just easier. My mum took a month off work to help to raise my girls. I think um, when it happened, you know, my four-year-old was a little baby. She was breastfeeding. She wasn't on solids. She was just gooing and garring. Yep. And I feel, you know, Sam was in hospital, I think, for, I don't know, six to eight weeks. And I feel, you know, when I picked, start being her full-time mum again, you know, she wasn't breastfeeding anymore. My milk had dried up. Um, she wasn't your little baby. No, and she was on solids and, um, yep. you know, but I I don't know what I would do without my mum. Like, God bless my, her. Yeah, oh, God bless mums. Yeah. Um, she was, she still is my rock. My family have been very, very supportive, um, but my mum just continues to go above and beyond um, to help us. Um and, yeah, so she, as I said, took a month off work and then it just began the whole rehabilitation stage, I suppose. But yep. that was Sam's accident, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I probably yep. missed lots of bits, but anyway. Oh, of course, but that's yep. okay. He'd be here for three weeks if yeah. you didn't. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. So once you've, once you've sort of realised that this is – it's, it's going to be a lifelong injury. Yeah. Whether – Although you don't know where it's going to get to um, in the way of his recovery, how did you sort of start to explain that to the girls? Um, so I think when Sam was given his diagnosis, he, I don't think, 
he, he was on medication. I think he listened to it. I don't think I took it all in. I think a lot of people can talk about that when they, um, I don't know if you were the same when they first said what your injury was. Did you listen to the whole thing? Like, did you take it all in? Um, me personally, I was um, just so upset with what I've done because I feel like my child deserves a dad that can run around with him and stuff like that. So when when they were telling me, you know, you've got a spinal cord injury and, you know, we don't think you'll walk again, I'm, I'm a stubborn prick and so Sam and I just went, I can either listen to these people or I can prove them wrong. Yeah. And... What I thought of after that was, you know, I've got my partner who's by my side. She, we had to leave our child with our best friends in the Chuka and she jumped in a helicopter and we had him for Melbourne. Um, and she didn't leave my side until I think I got transported to a different hospital from the Royal Melbourne. But my... When they were sort of telling me all these things and, oh, you've got to have surgery and we've got to f- fuse your spine, five vertebrae and, you know, it's gonna you're going to be living in a hospital for X amount of time and all this stuff, I my thoughts were just like, I can take that and accept it or I can, like, be the dad that my child looks up to and work... Be the my, exception. Yeah, yeah, like... You know, I've been back to the hospital, at, well, to the rehab and, you know, I've been getting around on my crutches and, you know, the the people I worked with in there, their eyes light up when they see you on the sticks because they didn't expect to see you there. But it's just my mind was – it was it was fight or flight. Yeah. And I just thought, well, I'm going to kick this thing's fucking ass. And it's not going to be a year. It's not going to be two years. It's gonna take a lifetime, but I'm not ever. I'm never gonna quit, and I'm always gonna keep trying to be better for my children, for my family, and you know. So when when they sort of gave me that information, it was a lot to to register that night. But when they gave it to me then and there, it was, I'll show you. Yeah. You know, but then when you're laying there at night by yourself and you hear the beeping and people screaming down the trauma ward and or you hit the button, you're waiting for a nurse for X amount of time because they're busy with other people, that's where it starts to hit you and you think, fuck, what if this is forever? Yeah. What, what, if, what if I can't feel my legs forever or what if I, I can't walk, you know, like... You just, your mind doesn't stop. And it was that hot in there, I couldn't sleep. I was in that much pain that I couldn't sleep. And then with the little buttons that they were administering drugs, like it needed to be like 24-7 constantly dripping. But it was on a time frame, I suppose. And every time I'd hit the button, you know, and I remember I just sat there because I think it was about a five-minute interval with the button and I'd I'd literally waited oh sorry I'd hit the button and it would start to sort of administer administer I think it was ketamine although I had a lot of drugs going in me at the time but I'd I would 
say out loud, I am, I can, I will, I am unstoppable. And I would say that for probably 10 minutes and then I'd hit the button. And I was like, if this, if I hit the button and it doesn't beep, that means I'm stuffed. So I just had to keep my mind occupied and I just had it basically burnt into my brain that like I'm getting past where they will ever think I will. And if I hit the button too early and it doesn't beep and it doesn't doesn't administer the drugs, I'm done. And that was the way I I kind of dealt with it. And it was it was almost dealing with the pain for a bit longer than you knew that you had to. And I didn't have a clock to look at. I didn't have my phone at the time. I didn't have anything that gave me any recollection of time. But I just knew that I just had to wait it out and not rush and be patient to to have the pain sort of taken care of. And, yeah, that what... What kept me occupied or sane or, you know, focused on what I was doing was the words I was saying, which is, I am, I can, I will, I am unstoppable. It's still written in my notes on my phone. Like, yeah. I reckon I check it just about every time I go to physio. And it was written written well, probably two days after I got my phone that I was saying it for, you know, however long since I'd been in the hospital. So, yeah, that it was just, it was fight or flight and you just, you've got to choose what you want to do and, and I was fighting my way out of it. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. But I'm sure Sam would, would have been the same. Yeah, I, so when they gave you this, so the initial diagnosis was spinal, to, um, spinal cord syndrome and I was like, I've never heard of that. So then you're on Google looking exactly what that entails and, I just remember him saying this. So that was that. That was like the first thing I remember was spinal cord syndrome. I'm like, okay, well, he's not a quadriplegic, like you know, because I'm thinking if it's up this high. And then um, the next thing he was like, okay, so you might know what his normal function is in six weeks, and that's what the best he will be, or it'll be two years. Yeah. There's no. And I said, well, what's what are we aiming for? And he just said, whatever he can do. So that was sort of a very. You know, and he may have said more things to me. I don't remember the doctor. Like, he could have, but that was the main thing that came out was a spinal cord syndrome. And, you know, six to two years, six weeks to two years. Yeah. And why I say spinal cord syndrome was I was like, okay, that's what it is. But I remember when he got his actual official discharge from the Alfred when they transferred him across to um, the Austin on their paperwork, they'd called him an incomplete quadriplegic. Yeah. And... It seemed so silly, but that really shook me. Like I knew he was a spinal patient and, you know, I am a nurse and everything like that. But I remember reading that and I was just like, like, you know, I swore in my head. I was just like, fuck, like, um, you know, it was just a little bit more real. I don't know why it took to seeing it on paper to be a little bit more real, but um, our GP has been amazing. And I remember ringing Nicole and just being like, They've said he's an incomplete quadriplegic, but it just took a long time for my brain to actually comprehend and understand and fully appreciate it. I think it was weird. I think I was just so focused on the acute stage of what Sam was going through in terms of his pain, bowel yeah. obstruction, you know, yeah. trouble with urination and all those types of things. And just, you know, the fact that he was had to learn to walk again and move his arms and things. 
that I just I think I lost sight of his actual like his actual diagnosis I was just wrapped up in all the other little stuff that was happening day to day and I just remember having a conversation with Nicole just being like like oh like it was a real shock to my system which seems stupid I know but um no not at all sometimes sometimes it's like you don't believe it until you see it on paper. Yeah, hundred percent. It you was know. just sort of, yeah, it was just a really, um, and yeah, it was a really baffling experience. And I think I'd just been, I think, as I said earlier, I think I went into nurse mode, like a bit of an emergency situation sort of thing. So I was just, um, and I spoke to Alicia about it. You just sort of focused on what the next next task is. You can't really plan, you know, two or three days yeah. in advance. And like, you know, people offering help was like amazing, but I didn't. I did, I could all I could focus on is okay. What did Sam need, and what did the girls need to get through for the next twenty four hours? Like, what can I do to to yep. get to that point? And yep. you know, in the initial stages, there's so much acute stuff happening as you could probably attest to. Like, you know, whether it's you know you obviously had surgery and stuff like that. So you know, it's going for surgery, recovering from surgery. You know, catheters, pain. You know, doing new IV drips and just things like that. Yeah. Um, you get really consumed in that and then, you know, throwing the kids on top to make sure that, you know, should I order some groceries at mum and dad's house so there's food for the girl? Like, you yeah. know, you just go into that practical mum mode to make sure that that's okay and uh, have the girls got enough clothes up there? Have the girls got this? And, you know, they were taking care of them amazingly. Mum had it all under control but your, your head actually... You're still the mum. Yeah, your head yeah. actually can't switch off about yeah. it. And, you know, I was feeding at the time, so I'm like, oh, I've got to take my breast pump. And then I remember going in one morning to help Sam because initially he was a bit reluctant to um, be showered by the nurses and stuff. Obviously, big like, you know, a macho man not, you know, wanting uh, other people to shower him and stuff. So I remember going in and I was doing his showers and... Yeah, um, like a bed bath, is that what you're talking about? or did? Um, so I did a couple of bed baths, but he's like, I need to get up, I need to be on the toilet, I need to poo. And so I'm like, okay, can I please get the hoist? I'll help you. And so like I helped him get on the hoist and stuff and I remember showering him and taking him to the toilet and I think he spoke about this, that I had said that he's got overflow, like he's not using his bowels and I was talking to the young nurse and um, it's nothing against her, it's just, you know, she was only a grad. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And, so, you know, and that's how his bowel obstruction happened because he wasn't um, emptying properly. Um so, you know, that pressure to get in there so he could have a shower in the morning and, you know, he wasn't getting fed and just those types of things. And it was just like nurses are just so busy in those big hospitals. Yeah, it's and not the nurses being oh, lazy. No. They've run off their fucking feet. Yeah, and it's just the – I think it's the lack of resources and it's just being pushed to your limits every shift. And yep. at some point you can't you can't give 100% every day. Like that's just physically possible. But, you know, um, initially Sam couldn't move his hands or his arms. So he had no way to actually press the call bell, like to call for help. Yeah. So like I was having a conversation with them and because he went to the trauma unit first, they weren't sort of set up for spinal injuries as well as like the Austin is. Like they've got a lot more like on yeah. 3 North, they've got a lot more accessories and stuff that you can use to help um, – people with an injury function and do things you know so that was having a conversation with him like he actually can't call you for help when he's got pain like yeah he can't press a pca to press for pain relief yeah like this is not okay yeah yeah so then they were trying to they got like a one that he could hit sort of headbutt so yeah then yeah. that wouldn't stay had to stay in the right position for it to work and you know you go home wonder like you know is he okay 
And because I had his I phone, yeah. you can't ring to check that he's okay. Um, I could just... It, it's a hard thing to imagine, but I'm trying my hardest to, like, to put myself in your shoes or Alicia's shoes and walk out that hospital not knowing, you know, the care that your partner's getting. Yeah. Um, you know, like, fuck, that'd be pretty... Pretty traumatising in itself. Like, they do look after you. I'm, I would never say that they don't. But like we said, they've run off their feet and there's there were times where you wait for for ages to, to be able to have a shit, yeah. you know, or to – you're and starving or, you know, you can't eat because of the medication or whatever. But, like, I mean, for us, we were, we were fine in a way. But I could – I just imagine that, like, your brains just would not have shut off and it would have been, I, I like I said to you and like Sam and I had a chat about it, we both said this is harder on you two than it is on us. I, th- I, th- I think it's just hard in a different way. Like, yeah. you know, you guys have to adjust your, your new normal. Like, yeah. the things that were normal to you are now no longer normal. The things that you um, love to do to, you know, as we said, burn off your energy or make your day better, you know, um, has gone. Yeah. Um, it's tougher for us in a different way, the fact that, you know, um, you sort of become the primary carer for your kids. Like there's, you know, a bit of limitations on what you can and can't do. Like in the initial stages, like now it's a yep. bit different. Um, uh, it's Yeah, it's just a different heart. I wouldn't say that it's harder. I think it's just a different type of heart because you can't, you can't compare them because, like, I can't understand what nerve pain would be like. It looks horrendous, and it would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Yeah. Um, but you know, thing. yeah, it's it's. I think they're both really challenging roads that we're both on. Like, yeah. and um, it's yeah, I, it's definitely a spanner in in life. But yeah, um, it's yeah. I don't know else to how to explain it, but I think. It's just adds a layer of complexity to things, I suppose. But, you know, I, I think sometimes how hard it must be to live with the guilt about th- those things because we were um, – well, we still are renovating, but at t- the time of Sam's accident, we were at frame stage on our extension. Yeah. And Sam's a builder. Sam had been doing that a lot himself and that has stopped. And I know – he doesn't talk to me about it, but I know he has got a lot of guilt about the fact that the house isn't finished yeah. um, and the flow-on effect for that, you know, for me and the girls living at, at home. Like, it's fine. Our house is warm and whatever. Um, but I know as, like, a proud male that's something that he um, often sort of really struggles with and I know that's, like, on one. I think um, when the house is finished that it'll be a really good relief for him. Like it'll be a bit of an achievement that it's done yeah. and that the accident hasn't stopped that from happening. But yeah. it, yeah, it's, you know, and how do you, like that's a really challenging thing for someone to live with guilt and stuff like that, whether it is about the house or about, you know, the extra load that you put on your partner or that how your life has changed. So as I said, it's both roles in the in what's happened are challenging and they're just challenging in different aspects i suppose like yeah i don't know how else to describe it but yeah they're yeah i don't know if one's worse than the other they're just 
both really hard. Yeah, they're both extremely hard, that's for sure. Yeah, and like, you know, um, I know we sort of touched on it earlier before about, um, you know, you're saying without like Alicia and um, Riot's help, like, you know, you think about the dark places you can go. You know, yeah. that's something that you have to take into consideration, like being a partner, because you know that um, what, like, what, how I feel, how I think that Sam's feeling, how challenging that would be, and how for most people that would push them to their limit to, yeah, to that that is enough. And, you know, you're constantly mindful about how much pressure, extra pressure you put on them because you don't want to be add any extra, you know, you don't want to be the straw that breaks the camel's back if that's what I mean. So I think personally myself and I think Alicia may be very similar is that you try and pick up that extra burden just to make life a little bit easier for your partner because you're so so prioritised, I suppose, in making sure that they're trying to make their life as easier as it is because you know how you can see how hard they're doing it. Yeah. And I think I find it really challenging at the moment um, is that if you look at Sam, you think he's okay, like he's walking around, he's quite good, but like no one sees what happens at home. That, of course not, yeah. Like, you know, he's, you know, could be awake in the middle of the night with so much pain that, you know, sometimes putting socks on is really challenging for him. Picking yep. up the girls can be really challenging for him. He can fall over at points. Um, and I find that really hard. As you were saying, people are like, oh, you're fine now. Like, you know, you're doing this and that. And I feel... you got a smile on your face when they see you. Yeah. And yep. it's just like what we were saying before. It's like no one knows what happens behind closed doors. And Sam's probably a little bit like yourself in terms of he'll be like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm okay. Like, I'm good. Yep. But like... I'm the one that sees him when he's at his worst, which is for, like, which is what your relationship. That's marriage, that's isn't it? Marriage, and for that's better or worse. It is for better <laughs> or worse. But like, I think I I find it a little bit hard when people say, "Oh, like he's fine," you know, and I'm just like, "He's not okay. Like he's improved out of sight, which much more than what we originally had thought." But he still has struggles. Like, of course, yeah, and. Um, as I was saying, like, you know, just the normal functions and things that we go, like going to the toilet, it's just something we don't even think about. For Sam, that's a really big task. Yeah. Like, and um, that's just a frustrating process in itself, like not being able to do something as quickly as you normally do. And, you know, um, that's, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that, but it's just, yeah, it can be, um, I just find that really challenging sometimes is how to navigate that with other people. Yeah, yeah. And I would imagine that seeing the person you love and, you know, you've known for so long and had children with and what whatnot, seeing them struggle with things that they used to be able to do, that was – you didn't even think about it, Yeah, you know. And then to be able to pick something up off the floor, it takes a bit more – bit more thought a bit more preparation just to bend down and pick something up if if you're lucky enough to be able to do so yeah you know you might need to put your hand on a table then on a chair then you know grab what you need to do switch hands however it may be and then and then pretty much climb back up using an object yeah um i'm assuming that would be a very tricky thing to deal with and and it's also fatiguing. Yeah. Like there's a lot of extra effort that has to go into simple things that we take for granted. Like I'm sure for you, like I'm not want to speak for you, but like shower, showering for you 
is a challenge. Like it's a lot more effort than what it used to be. It's a, a lot more effort, a lot more time. You know, you can't just jump in and have a shower in five minutes. Like that's just not. Mate, how it I was in, out, dried, dressed, everything within five minutes, and, and now for me to get undressed, get on the shower bench, you know, start washing myself, all that type of stuff. Mate, I'm five minutes before the bloody warm water hits me. Yeah. You know, and it's that's just one of the many struggles that well, you got to learn to deal with it. Yeah. Well, you got to learn to live with it because. It ain't changing quickly, you know. Nothing, nothing in this spinal cord injury world changes very quickly, you know. And if it does, but every everything, washing the dishes, everything is twice as hard and three times as long. But it's you can't not do it because then you give up. Yeah. And if you give up, you lose hope. If you lose hope, you start going backwards, and. And it breaks you a bit mentally more and more every day. And it's just, it's just not an option. And, you know, like you've said, and like Sam said, he's stubborn. He's, 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 I'm sure he won't give up on things like that. You know, if it's just because it's a little bit trickier or, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll still do it. Yeah. You know, and it's like when we, we had a little chat just prior to starting to record about getting back on the bike. Yeah. You know, and it's not going to be the same. No. It's not going to be the same for Sam. It's not going to be the same for myself. It's not the same for anyone. But sometimes those things to look forward to of, you know, experimenting, getting back on a dirt bike or, you know, on a mountain bike, whatever it might be, like that could be your driving force. I think it's imperative you have something to aim for because – what else are you aiming for? Like that, that's exactly you right. What to, are you getting better for? Yeah. yeah. Like obviously, like you know, there is a given. Yes, your children, your family, and stuff of like course, that. Of course. That, I'm not saying that's not important, but you you need something for yourself. And I, as we had that conversation, I think the first day or so, someone had said to me, um, Sam had said, "I'm getting back on a bike," and I said, "Well, that's you're a big boy. Like you're an adult. You make those decisions." And a lot of people sort of said to me, why wouldn't you tell him you're never riding again? And I said, well, he would never tell me to stop doing something that I like to do. Not that I'm an adrenaline junkie like him, but um, he he's an adult and he he understands the consequences. He's going through the consequences right now. That's and yeah. so if he wants to do that again, that's up to him. He knows what happens and... But I would not be the person to take that away from him. That's the same with ski racing. Everyone was like, "Why would you let him ski race?" Mate, he's his own person. Like, yeah, he likes doing it. He'll get to a point one day when he's like, "I'm done," and he did. Yeah. He got to that point where he's like, "It's not worth it anymore." Yeah, and he stopped. And yeah, I don't think. Yeah, that's my view on it. But everyone's got a different view, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's completely understandable, and it's a good thing that you're. You're. In the mindset, I suppose, of he's a big boy and it's dangerous and he knows that. Yeah. Because it's, you know, Alicia and I have had that conversation and it's, it, it hasn't gone like that, yeah. you know. Um, I suppose, like riding freestyle motocross. Yeah. That's out the window. Yeah. I have no no desire to do that anymore, I don't think. Yeah. Um, 
you know. In saying like sandback riding, I think it'll be like through the boat. Like it's not going to be jumping like what you're saying. I think it, it'll be just that pure enjoyment of getting that he and you have obviously talked about of yep. getting on the bike and whether it is just like going in the bush and riding with your mates. There's obviously some um, sense of freedom, relief, or whatever you guys get from it that is imperative for you. And I mean, um, who am I to stop that really? Yeah. But it's, you know, I think it's being mindful about what the repercussions are, I suppose. And yeah. Um, you're both a big boy, so like, you know, but as I was saying, like, I think it's a, a, an adjusted normal, like it, it won't be jumping and stuff like that. It'll just be going through the bush at a bit of a slower pace. Yeah. So I hope. So yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. That's it. So when Sam went to Talbot. Yep. What were your, what were your days like then? Were you, were you spending much time in the hospitals? Yeah. So, so when he was at the Alfred, I'd pretty much get there at. 9.30. Yep. Um, I'd be there till 2 o'clock or so. Um, yep. They pretty much just left me to my own devices because I was doing nursing care sort of for him. Like yep. as in oh, meant that we weren't annoying them. Um, so they were fairly flexible there. And then he went to the Austin for um, a week or so. Um, and that was sort of pretty much the same there a lot of the days. Um, he was getting a little bit better there, so he was in an electric wheelchair and stuff like that. Um, and then when he went to Talbot, I visited, but I wasn't there as long anymore. Like he could do a little bit more himself and stuff like that. And because yep. it is that little bit more set up for – like it's a bit more friendlier than a hospital. Yeah. Um, yep. I bought the girls a couple of times, so that was quite good. But um, that was something that I, we were both very mindful about was – um, Tilly was obviously two and a half and remembers – yeah, she was two and a half um, – remembers quite a lot. No, she was three and a half. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway. <laughs> um, and so that was – we were very mindful about when she saw Sam. So the first time she saw Sam, it was at the Austin and he had a, um, a neck brace on. It was his birthday um, and he came in. So she probably hadn't seen him for about three weeks, which is oh, – was be, like horrendous. Um, be hard. Uh, that was sort of a joint decision between Sam and I. Um, yeah. I think I probably took the lead on it um, a little bit. He'd seen Harper because she was sort of a blob, so didn't really um, – wasn't sort of taking it in. Um, but that was quite hard for her and it still is quite hard for her. She often – Tilly started riding a peewee now, so she rides around our, our house and actually yeah. enjoys it, loves it. And um, Sam made a comment to her just yesterday about, oh, dad will ride with you and she's like no dad you fell off and you hurt your neck you need to be careful and you're not to go fast you're not to ride the motorbike anymore yeah yeah so like she's four and she's very clear that she understands that dad hurt himself and you know because she'll be like because sam does rehab three times a week and he'll be like i'm going to rehab and she's like you fell off your bike and you hurt yourself so she's very aware of it. Um, Kids are smart. She, she's very, very clever. Um, and so she's very mindful of it. And I was quite surprised because I thought I was holding it together and she was very minimalised from how much she was obviously exposed to it. But she was picking up more than what I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're smart cookies, aren't they? They certainly are. So, um, yeah, so then at, so Talbot was a little bit different. She came in a little bit then as well. Yeah. Um, and we could sit outside and stuff like that. We even went out for lunch one day. And then Sam was getting to the point where he'd had enough. He was like, I need to be home. I can't 
this whole not seeing the girls sing every day is killing him. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure like Alicia had pictures of Riot up in your room for you and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I reckon I reckon it was day one she come in with, you know, it, I don't know, not the A4, maybe a size smaller, but there was probably 30 photos. There was all that and then my sister and her partner for my birthday because I spent my birthday in Royal Talbot. Yeah. Um, they got me a canvas made with all Riot's um you know, newborn oh, photos. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, he was only four – no, sorry, he was only ten weeks old. So he was only a little bit older than that then, you know. But it was just great to – to the, when the photos were taken, you know, I was able-bodied and, you know, able to hold my baby boy and, yeah, yeah. so. That must have been challenging to see. Like, it was tough. Yeah. It was very tough. Um, but, but I remember holding him for the first time after my crash and – um. Yeah, it was fucking hard. Oh, sorry, Mitch. No, it's all good. Yeah, I just – and this is what I'm talking about is that, you know, it's not harder for anyone. It's just a different hard. Yeah. Like it would have been harder for Alicia because he had him all – she had him all the time. But for you, you were just craving to hold him. Like yeah. it's I, – I, see, I can't imagine going through that. It's fucking so hard. Yeah. So hard. But we made it through and um, like I said before, we both say we've made it through the hardest time of our life and if we can get through that, we'll get through anything. Yeah. And we will. Yeah. It's um, – I feel really bad at me. <laughs> no, I don't. I told you I'd be the one that cried. No, no, no. I'm – I'm an emotional wreck <laughs> like most days of the week anyway, so what does it matter? Um, and, and that's where I, th- I feel like sometimes that comparison, it just doesn't work because it's just you can't understand it. It's, yeah, it's just different. Um, and I just, you know, I as I said to you earlier, I remember when I think, um, I can't remember who told me about your accident, but might have even been Sam and I think he must have reached out to you and then I think Sanders was at our house not long after and I just asked. Yeah. And I just, and I said to you, as I said, I pulled up Alicia's, I stalked her on Facebook and I pulled up her name a couple of times just to message her just to be like, you know, Harper was four months when it happened. I couldn't imagine, so like, so 16 weeks or whatever, I'm like, I couldn't imagine it happening to someone when that little bit younger, like, you know, and you did, like my heart just broke and you just... You just like, and I, f- I don't know whether Alicia found the same thing. Like, lots of people offer help, yeah, but like, you don't know what you need. You're just like, you're just focused on the next sort of 24 hours. Um, and I like, I felt like this big pressure to keep the business running and to make sure the boys had work and had all those types of things. And then I was trying to get the roof on the house because the frame was up, and I Sam was so worried about the frame getting ripped, so I was like, ringing. Um, Tim, um, the, the boys that were supposed to be doing the roof and I was just like, I need it done and bo- boiling my eyes out to this guy I've met once Yeah. and he was like, couldn't understand what I was saying. I'm like, Sam's had an accident, I just need the roof on. And he's like, what? 
and I'm just like, I'm like, I'll text it to you. Because I, I just couldn't. Couldn't talk. I couldn't talk. I just was trying to be functional. I was trying to be practical about what needed to be done. Like, yeah. we need a roof on this. We need this done. We need like, I need to do the swims. I need to send the invoices. I need to do, make sure the girls have got X, Y and Z. Yeah. And I think. And you probably didn't even think to care about yourself anywhere in that time. I Like, I started seeing a psychologist. So what happened was Sam was getting towards the end of his time at Talbot. He was getting really shitty and he's like, I want to be home. I can't do this separation. Like me bringing the kids in was just and taking them home is like, I'm done. Yeah. And I'm like, I, from a healthcare perspective, was like, you are not ready to come home. Like yeah. you, you still need physio, like intense rehab. And he's like, I'm done. Like you get me out of here. So then I negotiated him to come home for weekend leave. And yeah. I said, I'll bring you home for the weekend. But you're going back like this is – and he's like, I'll give you one more week. So he came home quite early and I was on maternity leave. So it was quite fine. And because I was a nurse, they were like, oh, you can help with the shower and stuff like that. Where Sam's like, oh, I'm fine. I don't need help. But like he still needed help like drying and putting his socks on and getting him dressed and stuff. So that was quite challenging in terms of having, you know, the newborn, like a four-month-old and yep. um, Tilly and then helping Sam, which is fine. I would do it in a heartbeat um but it wasn't till he came home in like early or middle of december and i had all that and i was just like okay this is where i'm struggling now like this yeah. is like i'm back this is my new reality i've got this sam's got these injuries that he needs help with i've got the two girls that are quite needy yep. well not needy but just a young and they need you yeah it, that's it's fine yeah, yeah. um yeah. and that's when I really struggled and I I have some really close friends that I rely on quite heavily for psychological support yeah. um and I was talking to them and I was like I'm just I'm no good <laughs> like yeah I'm so I spoke to my GP and um through TAC I was able to do mm-hmm. some psychology and it was just a bit of unloading and I think she was just pointing to the fact that I just went probably into, as I said, work mode and was just yeah. – I was just being practical about what needed to be done and wasn't actually processing what had actually happened. The fact that, you know, my husband did have a severe um, accident. So – and I think that was a, it's still sort of hard for me to process and I think sometimes I have days where it's just like it gets a really overwhelming and just – Yep. You think about what you've like, what's happened, and it gets a bit too much. And then the next day, you're okay because you're like, you've just got to get on with it. Like the girls are still need food. Yeah, whatever needs to be done. And as time's gone on, Sam's um, needs aren't as much on me. Like he's still, um, he can do like everything himself. But like you know, he's, he's still got pain and stuff like that. So I don't have to do anything really for him. Um, so life has got that little bit easier. But. Um, as you were saying, it's a really challenging time and it does change your relationship. Definitely. And, yeah, it can be really, really, really challenging. And um, I think it's, you know, when you talk to anyone that's had chronic uh, pain or a chronic illness or anything like that, you know, there's a level of frustration that probably just sits there the whole time and I think trying to navigate that is also really challenging because when you come out of hospital, everything's sort of set up fairly well for you. There's lots of things there. Like, yes, there's frustrations about like nurses not answering buzzers and things like that. But this is in your environment and there's things that you can't control and it yeah. gets a little – I don't know whether you have the same thing, but I don't, Sam can get quite frustrated quite quickly about little things and, you know, that's hard to watch as a partner because 
you don't like things challenging them. And I think that's just probably my mothering nature type thing that, you know, you try and make everything easier for everyone. Yeah. And you can't do it. Yeah. You can't make pain go away. Yeah. You yeah. can't make your limbs work again. As no. much as you try, like, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Me and, oh, obviously at separate times, but Sam and I both shared, I think the same yeah, like, bed. Room. Yeah. Yeah, same, yeah. Same room. And then I had guest number two, John. He was in the same room. Yeah. And a guest I've got coming on early next year, Christina. Yeah. She was in the same room. Crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that everyone that I've had on that's had or that's that's been at Royal Table, it's been in the same room. So <laughs> I've heard you're all up together. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. So when Sam got home uh, in the early days, did you have to do catheters or anything like no, that so with he, him? No, so he came home and was um, so able self-sufficient. To, yeah, so it was just more he's like ADL, so just helping, like getting him dressed and helping with the shower. Um, and I used to give him his tablets and stuff like that because this is like trying to get them out of the packets was quite challenging because his dexterity and stuff wasn't amazing. Yeah, um, which is hand function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was, you know, it was... Very basic what I had to do with him, but it was still something that was added to the list, to-do list, if that makes sense. Still made your day longer. Yeah, but which is like you do it in a heartbeat. Like of I'm course. sure if Alicia needed help, you would do it as well. So it's Absolutely. Just a, and it's just part of it. And I think that was that was enabled him to get home a little bit easier because he was trying to get home before Christmas and obviously trying to get services in place before Christmas and stuff like that was quite challenging. Um so, you know, like with the OT visit, I just went around and took the picture so the OT didn't have to come out and do it, like, just to try and make it as simple as possible. And yep. when he came Was home, that to get him to come home? Yeah, yeah. So um, he just needed a shower chair, really, and that, um, just because he was got fatigued for standing up for too long. Yeah. Um, and that was only at our house for a little while, and then it's, he's been fine because he, he is so stubborn. He yeah. <laughs> refused to use it after a while, and he came home with a like a walking stick, and he didn't want to use that either. But yeah, um, and he suffered so, the consequences a couple of times because he did have falls and stuff without his stick. So, um, but again, that's he's got to make those decisions. Like you know, you can't leave, can't make a horse drink. You can lead them to water, but you can't make them drink. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fine. Did you ever go to his rehab sessions or anything like that? Um, I did maybe like one when he was at Royal Talbot, but I think at that stage it's when the girl, like he wanted the girls to come in a lot, so it was a bit counterproductive bringing the girls in when I was yep. trying to do rehab. Um, he's been at Next Step um, in Epping since December, and he's. Um, I've been to a couple of sessions with them. I cannot speak more highly of them. I think yeah. they've been Sam's lifeblood, like his lifeline. I think if he hadn't have got in with them boys, um, he's with Mitch and Jake. They yeah. are. Um, he even plays like Fortnite and stuff with them at home after hours and stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and they've just. I don't think they realise how good they've been for Sam. I think he was going to be really like that was because um, Sam pushed to come home so quickly, his whole discharge process was a bit muddled up. So um, there wasn't really good um, things put into place. And it was just because it was rushed before Christmas. It wasn't anyone's fault. It was just like it was just a rush before Christmas and everyone thought that we lived in the back of nowhere and getting yeah. access to things. So um, a friend recommended um, Next Step and then... 
um, my initial consult with like um, conversation was with Jake and it was so straightforward. He's like, yep, Sam would be super appropriate. And he's been there three days a week since. And I just, I, I, I would hate to wonder where Sam would be without them, really. Yeah, like, okay, that's And I great. don't think they realise what an impact they've had on Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Was it hard to see Sam in, in action at physio? Um, you know, like obviously the tasks that they're showing, showing him to do or, you know, wh- whatever. But yeah. you, you would have been – prior to his accident, it would have been a breeze. Yeah, so it was sort of a bit confronting and it's sort of what happened when he was at Royal Talbot. He's like, I'm going to walk. And I was just like, okay, back off, mate. Like just – you've only just started to get out of the wheelchair. And he was just so stubborn and determined – and I was walking behind him like they do like this, just, he was, <laughs> you know, and he's like, I'm getting to the cafe and he got there and that was like, he, and I was just like, you're like, just, I was like, stop, that's enough. You've done 10 steps. Like I was like, oh, mother hen, like just telling him to stop. And he was just like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm like, okay. And I think sometimes his stubbornness has been a good thing. Yeah. But then sometimes I think he gets too hard on himself when it doesn't quite go the way it should. But um, it was... Um, I think because he was sort of made progress quick, well, not quickly, but he was making gains that I thought were massive where he was like, yeah. it's nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, these are, you don't understand. Because I remember the first time he actually was able to move his thumb to um, his finger. I was like, I was like doing cartwheels because I was like, oh my God, you've got some movement back. And he was just like, yeah, but I can't move my arm. But I was just like... You're always your worst critic. Yeah, I was just like the fact that he could move the fingers to... And I was just like, it was amazing. And I think you're, uh, yeah, you're, you're your worst critic, but you, you, know, you do need people in your corner being like, you have, ch- you know, this is an improvement. You have... You, Definitely. All this work that you're putting in is changing. And yeah. I think, um, you know, when you talk to Sam now about like how rehab was, he was like, it was fine. Didn't do this that well though. Like it's yep. never like, you know, the fact that he's lifting heavier than he did like the week before. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, yeah, Mitch and Jake have been great in terms of challenging him and stuff like that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind getting Mitch on. I actually went to school with Mitch. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah seems, the... like I, seems like they're quite funny on Fortnite when they're yelling at each other. <laughs> Little dorks. Um, but they seem like really, they feel like from outside of looking in, it's like they've found their calling. Yeah. Like, Yep. Working, working with these, um, with people, you know, because it's from a vast array of injuries. Like it's not just all spine, like it's neuro, it's lots of things. Yep. And um, yeah, I really, I really would be worried about where Sam would be without them. Yeah. 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 That's a big thing. Yeah. That's very big. So when you went home, your rehab was all organised or did you have to do that yourself? Nah. So when I, yeah, it was organised, but. I didn't have a start date. I didn't have anything like that. And um, I wanted to go to, to the next step. Yeah. And they sort of said to me in Talbot, like, no, we've got this guy and you need to work with him. Yeah. And once my situation got explained to him, from my understanding, he was like, yep. Come. Get him in. Yeah. And... Yeah, so I've been working with Gavin Williams and Matt at NeuroSolutions and they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm, I also want to get them two on as well. Yeah. But they've worked with, 
you know, Cam Sinclair when he broke his or when he when he crashed his double backflip in Spain yeah. and had to learn to walk again. You know, Gavin taught well, helped him learn how to walk again, and yeah. you know, so we've sort of got that connection with um, bikes. Yeah, bikes, yeah. and you know, the, dangerous things are fun. <laughs> you know, like he kind of gets it, and yeah. he's he's a risk taker as well. So that that helps me a lot I because your mindset. Like, yeah, 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 and it's he doesn't pussyfoot around anything, which is great for me because I I don't need a yes man. I need someone to fucking be straight up honest with me. And you can do that better yeah. or put more effort into that or, you know, th- I like that shit. Yeah. That that works best for me. Um, How often do you go a week? So I do three sessions a week. Yeah. Um, it's at Q, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just at a, a physio there. Yeah. But when I hit the lotto or make millions of dollars, I'm going to buy a new facility and let them run it out of that. Yeah. So that, just because... It's just a, a bit crowded in there with other equipment and yeah, stuff okay. like that. So I'll get them a good place eventually one day, I hope. But um, yeah, no, th- you to that, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's all right. <laughs> that's, all right. that's all right. But um, yeah, so I, I see them three times a week and they do a lot of spinal research, uh, yeah, spinal and neurological research with, you know, Swinburne University and stuff like that. So yeah, okay. yeah they're very interesting very smart people to be working with. It's great to have them in my corner. Yeah. But um, when it gets imperative, like having that support when you get home, because um, imagine if you fell through the crux is how lonely and isolating it would be not having yeah the appropriate services. Yeah. Well, look, even having Alicia and, and Riot, like my two favourite people in the world, yeah. living in the same house as me, there are days where you still feel lonely because you don't see your friends. Or your friends are at work break up and or finishing the year off and you know, you worked four weeks of the year yeah. and you don't get a gig to the breakup or whatever it might be. Like shit like that, there's it's a dagger through your heart. Yeah. You know, and they or you see your friends out doing other things or it's a good weather's good outside, you look at my Instagram and everyone's riding and that that That's makes you hard. feel very isolated and lonely. Yeah. But like I said, I live in under the same roof as my favourite people in the world, so. Yeah, like as I suppose as we said before, like we're not saying your family's not important but you do need your little things that are for you. Like yeah. in, you know, and I, I, you know, I don't get the whole bike thing. Like I don't understand it. That's and understandable. That, and I don't need to. I can appreciate that you like to do it but I think that must be like such a frustrating aspect to try and um, find something to replace it. Yeah. And look, I haven't, um, you know, family times, I, I, I do family time now, Yeah, but, and I enjoy that, but it's not, it's going to sound bad, but it's not me having fun. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm it's enjoyable, enjo- it's enjoyable, but it's not you like letting loose and just, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not doing the fun activities that I enjoy. Sorry, I'm not doing the activities that I find fun. Yeah. You know, and I I think about it pretty much daily. Like, I haven't had fun since February, if if that makes sense to, yeah. you know, it might sound disheartening towards people I've hung out with or whatever, but it's it, it shouldn't because it's – what I mean by that is I haven't done an activity and been like, fuck, yeah, this is sick yeah. in since way before – well, but since like, February. 
But like, Since I suppose when I back. if you think about it though, like who's having fun when they're in heaps of pain? Like at the end yeah. of the day, like when you're sick, you're sick. No one's having fun really. Yeah. And that's, I, th- I think, I don't think that's what you're saying is not meaning to be rude or disrespectful. It's just the fact that it's really hard to let your guard down, relax, have lots of fun when mm. your body's screaming. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, you've got a twitch or your bum's like going, you know, yeah. whatever, or your leg's irritating you or, you know, having spasms. Like, But a, l- a lot of the thing for me is even when I go and socialise with people, I'm a fucking pain in the ass. You know, like I've, to get up or go, go up a couple of steps, like, you know, if You've I'm in my, in my wheelchair, it. I've got to have people there to help me, you know, and it's like, it, you know, I've turned down invitations to box parties and stuff like that because I just don't want to put people through the, the struggle or I just don't want to be a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, and... Maybe I'm isolating myself, which isn't isn't a good thing. It's probably a coping mechanism, really. Possibly, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, you don't want to be a hassle to people. But if they're the, your mates, it's not really. It shouldn't be really a hassle. Like, of course I, not. I know what you're saying, but like it's. Of course not. Um, it's oh, like you know just like little things you'd have to think about like where's the closest toilet like that I've got access to like where's you know where's the best place to park and you know navigating steps and stuff like, can't even drive yet yeah I can't even park yet yeah like that all that stuff is <laughs> yeah. just like stuff that we wouldn't even you don't think about but it's all stuff that you have to think about now and that is really mentally draining it is and it's extremely fucking draining. And, you know, and I'm sure it's probably draining think of excuses why you can't go to things because you just... Yeah, well, I, honestly, a lot of the time I find myself, you know, picking my brain to make excuses to not go to things. Yeah. And it's it's purely because it's not that I don't want to go. I'd love to go, but I'd love to be independent. It's just but a you too can't hard be. basket. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a too hard basket to do on your own. And you can't do it without someone else and I don't want to be a burden on anyone else. Yeah. And it's just, might just be, once again, that stubborn, I want to do it myself. Yeah. And. Is there, have, have they taken any steps for you to drive, like with the old yeah. car? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So we're in the process now of sorting out a car. Um, and What's all the turnaround on those things, like along? Well, I, I left rehab in June, on June fourteen. And I did one driving lesson with hand controls and then sat my driving test and passed. And that would have been probably August. Yeah. And I've been screaming at them trying to get a car sorted, you know, because they won't modify my car. Oh. Yeah, they won't modify my car. It's got too many kilometres on it. Okay. Um, and it's not suitable for me because of like hot, like transferring in and out. And oh, because you got a van. Is that yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Drive the van. Um, and then you know now other things that I've got to consider is, well, I've got a family. They're not going to come. Like if I buy another, yeah, yeah, I've got I've got to be able to have a car seat or two car seats now. You know, oh, like is that out is it? Yeah, it's out in the oh, open. Okay. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. We've got a little baby girl coming. Um. You know, and then, yeah, so it's, it's like I said, just flogging a dead horse and smashing your head up against the wall, it's just... So frustrating. Yeah, and it's just, I'm sure they've got a lot to deal with. I'm not their only client, 
I'm fully aware of that. But if you're not jumping up, no one's listening, unfortunately. Squeaky wheel gets the oil and I hate being the squeaky wheel. Yeah. But unfortunately, I've had to be many, many, many times over um, whilst, well, after my accident. You know, yeah. if, I, if I don't kick up a fuss, I don't get the care that, or the the product that I need, I suppose. Yeah. And, you know. I think you're probably very similar as you just sort of like we're probably the mindset like everything's okay you know it'll be fine you it'll happen it will happen but everyone that we've dealt with because i've never really had much dealings with you know insurance companies and stuff they're like you gotta you gotta tell them how bad things are because they don't like if you're just saying yeah i'm managing i'm managing you know you're making do you get pushed to the back of the line yeah and unfortunately you have to do you've got to put yourself first yeah. Like you've got to be like a little bit selfish in that way so you can, which is probably not in your nature, I suppose. It's Definitely not in not. my nature. Yep. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, and you've really got to let – every time that they ask questions, you've got to take it into consideration on your worst day. Yes. You know, when you're, when you're exhausted, when you're sick, when, you know, just just on your bad days. Everything that they ask, you have to – don't answer it. If you're having a good day, think about having your worst day and that's the way that it's got to be considered. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I, I was much the same when when we spoke about Sam saying, you know, it's all good, I'm going to be all right. And, you know, I thought that I'd be back on my feet by now, but that's just yeah. – I think it's just a, maybe a dirt bike guy thing. You think you're going to be back a bit quicker than usual. Yeah, like I – perceived Sam I think he thought by 12 months that he would be back to normal and um, I think because initially when TAC were doing his funding and stuff for going to rehab they were like we'll give you to September like for the funding because that's like 12 months before the accident yeah after the accident and I could tell he got to September and he wasn't and and, yeah and there was a real shift in him again with his mental state and stuff like that and you just think you know you probably put these things in your head at you know at 12 months or nine months at 18 months i'll be doing x y and z and you just it's like when people come into birth suite you don't know what's going to happen you know people like i want a nice normal vaginal birth without an epidural and i want to have it in the water like have a water birth that's great in the ideal world but it's not something we can guarantee like when you step into birth suite who knows what's going to happen? Like we can yeah. try and do the best we can for you, but um, unfortunately, it doesn't always go as planned. And it's sort of a little bit similar in terms that you know you can put all the prep work into a birth plan or to doing rehab and stuff like that, but you know it might not be that you know that at, at six months or twelve months or eighteen months that you're going to be able to you know you know whether it's move your arm or move your leg or do whatever. And I think that's probably where the mindset must be just such a challenging thing for people with a disability or chronic injuries and things like that to try and um, navigate because in your head you probably, you know, set expectations that, you know, you're going to be doing this. Like I said to Alicia, like the first eight weeks of having a baby is just survival. If you get a shower in, like that's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And it's like the same thing you know, I imagine with an injury and that's where, you know, I have those, you know, thinking about Sam constantly about, you know, how does he navigate if he's not meeting where he thinks he should be? 
yeah and that's a constant like concern that how how that's gonna affect him you know how that's gonna change his his mindset and things like that so it's just like a constant you know you're always constantly worried about how little things are affecting them because I don't know what's, what little goals he's setting in his head. Yep. yep. If you know what I mean and whether course, he's needing yeah. them or not. Yep. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, a tough thing to deal with. Hey, do you want to break? You all right? You look like you're getting uncomfortable. No, no, no. I'm, s- I'm sweet. Hey, I've <laughs> sitting this thing for a long time Mine each is, day. But yeah. yeah, I just twitch all the time and, yeah, a little bit of nerve pain here and there. We just deal with it. Okay. But, um, yeah, like dealing with that stuff, it that's just one of the things you learn to live with and it's not comfortable and it's not what you want, but you just, if you want to, if you don't deal with it, you'll cry about it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just one of those things. So, but, yeah, I found like the, one of the challenging things is, is I was like quite accepting that I felt like I needed to see a psych, um, a psychologist just to talk about things and stuff. Cause I was very mindful about, um, you know, I've got some really close friends and I was, felt like I was offloading on them quite a lot. And so, you know, yep. to find a third party that you could and, you know, I think it would be something that Sam should do, but he's very reluctant to do it. But yep. I don't know if that's something you've been able to manage to fit into your schedule to do or yeah, yep. to-do list. But um, and whether it helped you, but I got to a point where I'm probably not seeing her anymore. Like, I'm okay. Maybe if I need to see her, I'll book an appointment. But a bit of maintenance a, if you need yeah, it. Yeah, but... um. I'm a a talker, so talking through my feelings, but everyone's very different. So navigating those challenges of, you know, whether it's, you know, having setbacks with your recovery or not meeting things, like how you constantly deal with that on top of all your other stuff, you know, is challenging. Yeah, I I built up the courage to to go and speak to someone. I've I've done two sessions with her and she's, she's great. Yeah. Which is good. It's just once again, if something I've had to reschedule seeing her once, which I shouldn't do because you should prioritize your mental health. But if something else comes up, it's like, oh, can I move? I'll move that. Yeah. And it's again not prioritizing yourself to what you like, what's going to be beneficial for you. Because yeah. it's like, oh, it's going to be easier on less convenient, like less com- inconvenience for someone else to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. And when, obviously, when Sam's in hospital, being intimate with him is fucking hard. You can't yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, and Sam spoke, saying that his function wasn't too bad, um, or like being there. But once I was able to be intimate with Alicia, it was it was like the first time again. It was fucking incredible. Yeah. You know, my memory's like a sieve, but I remember yeah. that. Like, <laughs> Um, remember the important stuff. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming being on the other side of it would be pretty special as well because, like you said, you had been – you were on maternity leave and you had a four-month-old. Like, there's a – if you have it, like, being a midwife, you would yeah. know that vaginal birth is a bit of time that it takes to heal. Yeah. Um, you know, but to get – so then not be able to be intimate with your partner after that period, that's it's a it's an important part of a relationship. Yeah, like it was. I think again I was very task focused, so a yep. lot of that it wasn't practical. Black like, yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. Yep. It wasn't and it wasn't till sort of he was home and, you know, um, I know Sam sort of spoke about his issues, but 
it was really challenging because it was so painful for him. Yeah. Like, so my mindset again wasn't about, it was about that it was her, like it, it looked agonizing for him. Yeah. And again, you're like worried about, you know, your, your protective, like nurturing brain and all that kicks in. Um, but yeah, you do miss that lo- that loss of contact and things like that, like because in terms of you know cuddling in bed, him laying on his side is agony. So he yep. can only lay on his back, and then if you like go to cuddle him, you can't put too much weight in certain places, like on his shoulder and stuff like that, because it aggravates it. <clears> so it's 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 definitely navigating a new space, I suppose, and it's. Yep. Um, you know, he says it's fine. It's not as painful and stuff like that. But it, it looks, it looks horrendous. Like it looks really, really horrendous for him. Yeah, yeah. And that's, it's sad to hear yeah. because, obviously, fuck. I've never met a person in my entire life that says that they don't enjoy sex. But when you when you're with a, the person you love, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, it'd be. Like, Alicia was in the same sort of, like, type of her life, I suppose, or time yeah. of her life. She had just given birth and, you know, we – I don't even think we had been intimate from, you know, prior to Riot being born. born. Yeah. And then I break my back and, like, my erect, erectile function wasn't there. Yeah. You know, and it, it – Still isn't what it once was. Yeah. But to be able to to get close to my partner and and make love, it was a very very special time, and it was it's something I'll never forget. Yeah. Um, but fuck, we've got some funny stories about <laughs> it. It's a different type of awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was quite funny because we got quite we made friends with the nurses in Royal Talbot, and we still speak to them today. And I, they come in the next morning and they helped me out of bed and it was one of our friends, Soph, she's a fucking legend. And I, she helped me into my wheelchair and I turned around and I looked behind the bed and there was an intercom. Yeah. And the bed I was on was a roller bed. Yeah. And it was fucking moving and hitting the wall. <laughs> and I looked at Sophie and I said, does that intercom work? She's like, oh, yeah, maybe. Why? And I was like, where does it fucking go to? She's like, what do you mean? I was like, if I speak into that, who hears it? She's like, oh, like the people in, in the main office. I was like, does it work? And we eventually found out it's redundant. Thank oh, fuck. Okay. But Jesus. You had some fun with it? <laughs> like, oh, well, we didn't even know, but the bed was hitting it. <laughs> Would have been off and on like a buddy. <laughs> fucking light switch but no it was shit like that that's another reason like you laugh about the 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 hard times but for moments like that and then you appreciate the good times and yeah you know that you can still make love to your partner and yeah and stuff like that because a lot of people that i met in in royal talbot you know they Uh can't they can't or you know without a lot of help yeah and they can't and it's just it's a it's again one of those things that's just not it's just adds a layer of complex to your injury yeah yeah like you know and i think that's you know 
I don't know how you feel, but sometimes I just feel, and it's not even happening to me, but you just feel overwhelmed with it all. Yeah. Like far out. But you have to, again, you have to take the lighthearted, you know, with it or whatever. Yeah. 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 No, it's a, it's a tough thing to deal with. It takes a special, special couple to get through it, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and you two are definitely tough enough to do it. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've made it this far. Yeah, one year down. Yeah. How many more to go? Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, last question. Yeah. Well, might be the last question. Last last scheduled question. Yeah. What can get fucked? I knew you were going to ask me this and I was like racking my brain. I'm like, I don't know. I'm such a like a um, don't do conflict, <laughs> um, yeah. plain Jane person. Um, oh. No, I don't know. Probably just governments in general. Yes, no. fuck yeah. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. Red tape, I suppose, probably is just maybe something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. This week for me, it's coriander. Coriander can oh, get that's fucked. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. No one makes friends with coriander. I don't even I know agree. why no, people I, put it in. People like it. Yeah, people like it. It's I dirty don't. soap. I don't understand it. Yeah. It's something new. You have it moved out. Um, yeah, I knew you were going to ask me that and I knew I'd have a terrible answer. <laughs> you should have come prepped. <laughs> well, I just didn't know. No, that's okay. That's okay. Well, before we part ways with a, a great conversation, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've liked hearing. Um, Sorry, it was probably pretty boring. No, not at all. I I really think, um, I I really feel like people are going to get a lot out of it because when people come here, they, they often ask how I am and what I've been working on and stuff like that. And it's not that Alicia gets neglected for conversations, but I don't feel like she gets asked how she is enough. And, you know, I can always ask her how it is, how she is, but it's, it's different to, to a friend coming over and saying, you know, like, how are you? Yeah. I feel like, um, like if Sam asks how I am, I'm always a bit protective sometimes about how I answer it. Cause again, you're mindful about, um, what you say, if they're feel how they're feeling, and whether that will make you know the guilt or whatever, yep. whatever's going on in their head feel worse. So yeah, again, that's why I found like the talking to the psychologist was quite good because I could just sort of freely sort of talk. But um, so I don't know whether Alicia finds the same thing. But you, so you've sort of always still got, especially when you've got kids, you sort of become that mother mother type figure, and you sort of wrap you up because you want to try and make you like make life better for you like an easier for you so you don't want to add any bur- extra burdens to what's going on for you yeah 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 i understand that well yeah. a lot of people are going to get a lot of positives out of this i don't think there'll be any any bad kickback i'll, I'll be honest with you <laughs> anyway, yeah. i'm a bit of a plain boring person but anyway no 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 you're sam, fine you're sam fine. spices the laugh up <laughs> good on you sammy <laughs> well We've got a bag of beef jerky for you from yep. 3099 Jerky. Yes. It's the, are you a meat eater? I am. Fuck yeah. Yes. But yep. I already know what flavour I'm going to pick. Ooh. <laughs> I'm very limited on flavours. I haven't Not being able to drive, it's hard to go and restock. But yep. I'll tell you what, if I don't have the flavour that you want, I'll send it to you. Okay. What flavour are you going for? I'm a plain Jane, so be just the original. Oh, fuck yeah, I got that. <laughs> See, I told you. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Don't worry about that. Yes, right. So, yeah, thanks to Daniel at uh, 3099 Jerky. We've got you covered yes. and they've got everyone else covered this year. So if you're after some beef jerky, get Daniel's meat in your mouth. Look them up on 3099. <laughs> 
hit them up on the internet or uh, or Instagram. They'll get back to you and you can order and they can post to your house. Anyway, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for, for being so open. Thank you for having me on. Anytime. Cheers. Thank you.